let's consider the dawn of redeeming grace. The God's dawn of redeeming grace. Our first scripture reading uh, for our scripture meditation this morning will be from Malachi chapter 4. We'll read the whole chapter there, only six verses. And then we'll turn the page to the New Testament for the reading of the birth of Christ. But beginning first in Malachi chapter 4. And notice that language of the dawn, the sun rising. In Malachi 4, beginning in verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming and shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they, shall, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. But please give special attention to verse 2. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And then we'll turn to Matthew chapter 1, just one page over to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 through verse 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Here ends the reading of God's Word this Christmas morning. Well, blessed congregation, this Christmas morning, people around the world are singing with the angels, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This is the greatest song that has ever been sung. And I don't mean that Charles Wesley's famous hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is the greatest song that has ever been sung. But what those words represent. That there is now peace on earth 
between God and men is the greatest song that has ever been sung. Never had angels sang like they did on Jesus on the night of Jesus' birth. They didn't sing like that in the Garden of Eden, though there was peace there. They didn't sing like that when the nation of Israel was established and David and Solomon reigned and it says that they had peace with all their enemies. Those, that peace only lasted for a moment. That after Adam and Eve sinned, they were driven from the Garden of Eden. And remember, a cherubim was placed at the gate to keep them out. It was only a few hundred years later that both the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah would fall. There was no peace there. But when the newborn king made his appearance, wrapped in the swaddling cloths, as we have read this morning, Charles Spurgeon says it was was as if he was wrapped in the white flag of peace. The manger, Spurgeon says, was the place where the treaty was signed between sinful man and holy God. It was the declaration that warfare was over. Peace among those with whom God is pleased. And beloved, as we are considering Malachi throughout our series on Advent this Christmas season, in Malachi 4, we see that these people are dwelling in a land of deep darkness. Remember that it's been roughly 70 to 100 years since they've come out of exile. And what we have seen time and time again is that these people have become complacent in their sins. Remember that they've lost the sense of worship. They've lost the sense of the promises they have made. They've even lost the sense of God's justice. And as one pastor says, when you lose the sense of worship, when you lose the sense of Sabbath, don't we lose the sense of God? They've lost the sense of God. They are a people dwelling in darkness. And so Malachi prophesies, look at verse 2. This is a beautiful Advent text. That the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in His wings. That in the darkness, a sun will rise. That in a land where they can't see where they're going, where they're struggling with sin, where they've lost the sense of direction. They don't know where heaven is. They don't know where God is. They don't know how to be a righteous people. A son, he says, will come who will show you the way to God. He is referring to the birth of Jesus. To the advent of of the second person of the Trinity, who is the Son of God Himself. This is God's last covenant word to His people in the Old Testament. You see this in your Bible. It's the last chapter before the New Testament. God's last covenant word to those dwelling in a land of darkness is look to the Son of Righteousness. 
Don't we need that word today, this Advent season? Let us too cast our eyes upwards to the sun of righteousness. I want to give you three points today, and you'll notice that they're familiar points. I've uh, plagiarized them, stolen them from Charles Wesley's famous hymn, which we'll sing in just a few moments. But they all come from Malachi chapter 4. Point one, hail the Son of Righteousness. Point two, risen with healing in His wings. And point three, born that man no more may die. Notice first, hail the Son of Righteousness. And as I said, our focus is verse 2, but for you who fear My name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And here the prophet Malachi is describing Jesus, look at this boys and girls in the passage, verse 2, as the sun like the star that our universe orbits around, not the sun as in male offspring. And here what Malachi is showing us is simply this, that Jesus is the light. By calling Jesus the Son of Righteousness, He is showing us that Jesus is the light. And beloved, do we not know that in the Bible, light is a very important thing. God's The first thing that God created in the Bible is light. In Genesis, He said, let there be light. That's the beginning of the Bible. And the end of the Bible, Revelation 22 tells us that in heaven there will be no darkness because God Himself will be the light. He will obliterate darkness at the end of the day. And the sun, light, is a beautiful part of God's creation. The sun is the giver of life in many ways. It energizes. It reveals to us, and in many ways, don't we know this as well? When we go through days and weeks on end where the sun is hiding behind the clouds and then the sun comes out, doesn't it enliven you? It gives you strength. So it is spiritually speaking. And so we see that one of the themes of the Bible we already read this morning in our Advent readings, is that the brightness of this light comes against the backdrop of darkness, doesn't it? The brightness of this light comes against the backdrop of darkness. We already read this morning from Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And you probably noticed while we were reading Malachi chapter 4 that there is a lot of doom and gloom in this passage. In fact, sandwiched in between, um, or what our scripture passage, Malachi 4 verse 2, is sandwiched in between some pretty dreadful passages. Talking about burning up the evildoers and trampling them under the soles of your feet. But what's being described here is that the darkness which Jesus came into the world in, the darkness was actually very dark. This wasn't dawn. This wasn't uh, dusk. 
The dark world that Jesus came into, you could describe it as midnight black. For behold, the day is coming, verse 1, burning like an oven. When all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble, the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that I will leave them neither root nor branch. What the prophet is describing here, let us be clear, beloved, is actually the darkest night you could imagine. Spiritually speaking. And here's the thing. In order to have good news, there needs to be bad news. And here's the bad news this Christmas morning. The Bible is clear that the darkness which Christ came into when He was born so many thousands of years ago was that each and every one of us was living in sin. And that apart from intervention, we would have all gone to hell. That's the darkness here. That we're sinners. That we choose our own way. And that one day we'll all have to give an account before Him. And look at verse 1. It says that God will examine the whole of us, root and branch. That's what that's describing. We will all be examined before God. And so this is the dark night. That we are sinners. That one day we'll have to stand before God and give an account. And if we don't, are not in the person of Jesus, we'll be like stubble, which is the, the newer version of the word chaff, if you remember from the King James Bible or even the NIV. And just a few chapters later in the New Testament, John the Baptist, uh, who we'll speak about in just a few moments, chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 12, says that of this passage, that Jesus, He will pick up His winnowing fork in His hand and He will clear the threshing floor, gather the wheat into the barn, and the chaff He will burn with unquenchable fire. Likewise, the Apostle Peter says, the day of the Lord will be like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies, that's talking about the earth, boys and girls, and all of the planets, this universe, will be burned up and dissolved. One day we'll stand before God that He'll examine us and should we not have a perfect righteousness, we will be judged. That's the darkness of the night. Now boys and girls, if you look with me in your Bibles at verses 5 and 6 of Malachi 4, you notice that these are the last few words of the Old Testament. And in my Bible, I have a page in between the Old and the New Testament. And it just says New Testament on it. It's white. It's blank. But this one page represents 400 years. That from Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, there was 400 years of silence. 400 years where God did not send another prophet. 400 years where they did not have another word from God. A word of grace. A word of judgment. A word of anything. They had nothing. See, not only are they walking in darkness, but could we not say they're waiting in darkness? 
waiting for the answer. Waiting for Elijah, verse 5. Waiting for this Son of Righteousness to rise with healing in His wings. Is there anybody here who's ever worked the night shift? Some nurses? Some factory workers? If so, you know how those long, lonely, dark hours feel waiting for the morning. And sometimes the night can be so oppressive and it can hang over you and you can feel like you've been waiting for so long for the sun to rise. Will it ever come? Here, Malachi tells us that the dark will be overwhelmed that the darkness that the people are living in can be chased away. It can be obliterated, so to speak, by the dawn of a new day. See, the Old Testament ends in the middle of a dark night, but the New Testament begins with the dawn of a new day. The sun of righteousness shall rise. Christ has come. And He is the light. Did we not read already this morning from John chapter 1? True light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, speaking of Christ. It was the wise men who followed the light of the star of Bethlehem, which shone supernaturally on the manger scene itself. God's divine attestation that Jesus was the light. If you have a Bible, flip with me to Luke chapter 1 where we see Zechariah's prophecy. And he makes absolutely clear who this light, who the Son of Righteousness is in Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. He says this, John the Baptist's father, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guard our feet into the way of peace. Jesus came to be the light to give you peace with God. In the manger scene, God lays down His arms There's no more enmity for those who come to Him in the person and the work of Jesus. Hear me this morning. There is judgment for those who do not love the Lord. But for those who place their hope in God, there is hope in the Son of Righteousness. Jesus says of Himself in Matthew 4, verse 16, that He is that Son. Matthew 4, verse 16, Jesus says of Himself, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Malachi says there's hope for this broken world. In Jesus, there's hope 
for broken Israel. In Jesus, there is hope for broken you this Christmas morning. In Jesus. His incarnation, which we celebrate today, is the rising of the Son of Righteousness. And He has come come to give life and light to you and me. Jesus is the hope in this dark and miserable and terrible world. Hail the Son of Righteousness. And so boys and girls, maybe this morning your parents let you unwrap some gifts, or maybe last night after church. They're not cruel like I am with my children and told them to wait till after church. But maybe you didn't get what you were looking for. Or maybe you feel like this Christmas morning you didn't get what you wanted or get enough. Hear this morning that the greatest gift has been given to you in Christ. That the light of this world has come to your heart. And He is free. He is yours. And you can have Him right now. Embrace Him this morning. See, not only do we hail the Son of Righteousness, but Wesley writes in his hymn that He is risen with healing in His wings. And that's a a direct quotation from Malachi 4 verse 2. Now, for you young folks who are here in this room, um, when I was a boy, I would draw a sun um, in you know, the corner of a picture, and I would draw a circle, and then I would put little wavy, squiggly lines radiating from outside of that circle. Or maybe you would draw triangles on the outside of it to represent the waves, the heat of the sun. And Malachi is actually using that same analogy. See, it says that He is risen with the Son of Righteousness, is risen with healing in His wings. And those wings is just an ancient word for those rays that come out from the sun. And here's the thing about the sun. Is it's not just the source of light, but the sun is also the source of heat. The sun is the source of warmth and growth. I've already mentioned it, but how many of us have enjoyed coming outside on a warm day like today? We enjoy the sun this Christmas morning. It's not a stretch to say that the sun is actually the very basis of life itself. And so is Jesus. He gives us healing in His wings. And I want to show you from this point See, Jesus is not only our light, but beloved, He is also our healer. He is also our healer. See, the babe that lay in the manger many thousands of years ago, why did He come? Why do we even have the privilege of celebrating Advent? Is it just for glory? No, He had all the glory He would have needed in heaven. Was it just for fame? No, He did not come for fame. He did not come for riches or palaces here on earth. He came to give you spiritual life. This is why the prophet so importantly calls Jesus the Son of Righteousness. He did not come just to give you a better chance at life. He didn't come so that you could simply see the path around the pitfalls of this world. He came so that He might show you the way to heaven. The way to righteousness. 
John Calvin puts it this way, Christ brings light to us that we might joy the blessing of eternal life. And don't we read this in in Matthew chapter 1. Probably my favorite Advent passage, maybe in the whole Bible. Matthew 1 verse 21. You shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Jesus came. Second person of the Trinity who had all glory, who had all riches, who had all honor. He came to save. He came to save sinners from their sins. He came to deal with the deeper problems of life. He came for us who struggle with anger. He came for the helpless in their frustration. He came for those who are full of bitterness and can't forgive. He comes to bring spiritual healing. And the way He does this is by being your righteousness. That He would live that perfect life and as a man, 33 years, never sinning once. The the Apostle Peter says we never saw him sin a single time in 33 years. Look, you hang out with me for a few hours, you'll see me sin. But for 33 years, he lived a perfect life. He laid his life down on the cross. And remember his final word. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, this is why the angels are singing. This is why we are worshiping. This is why we can rejoice. Because God looks at broken sinners like you and like me, and He sees the wholeness of Jesus. When people come to Christ in faith, He sees those who, He looks at the people who have rebelled against Him, and He sees us as if we've been perfectly obedient. He looks at you who trusts in Him in faith, and He sees Jesus. How wonderful. And it's so significant. I want to say this, especially for those of us who are suffering this Christmas morning. It's so significant that the prophet says, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in His wings. See, He, the incarnate Lord, was not only crucified for our spiritual healing, but He also rose from the dead. This Christmas morning, we worship not a dead Savior. We worship a Savior who is born, who is alive, and who is at the right hand of God even today. And His resurrection, that rising of the sun, is the promise that one day too, you and I will have glorified bodies like Him. When all the dead saints in Christ will arise and the living shall be changed. We are promised that the body that is full of weakness and infirmity, that will be done away with. And one day we will have a body like His without sickness or pain, we will be able to serve God day and night as we were created to do without weariness, distraction, or hindrance. It will be fulfilled in us. The words of Revelation 21, Behold, I make all things new. What an incredible Christmas gift 
The Son of Righteousness has come. He has lived. He has died. And He was raised for you. He came to restore you in this fallen world. And one day we will rise with Him. If I've said it once, I've said it ten times this Advent season. This is the greatest gift we could be given. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. This is what God has given for you. Third and finally, Wesley says, He was born that man no more may die. We are able to celebrate Christmas today because we live in that age between Christ's first and second coming. For us, the Son of Righteousness has been born. He has lived. He has arisen from the dead. And so He gives us new life. We can now live a life of gratitude for God. True in us is that stanza. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Now boys and girls, do you find that sentence curious? Born that man no more may die? What does that mean? People die all the time. As we wrap up our uh, year here at Trinity United Reformed Church, we have said goodbye to many precious brothers and sisters who have died. But what this hymn is referring to is the mission of Jesus. That in His incarnation He came so that we might have life. Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. We have been given a new life to serve Him. This is why if you look back at Malachi chapter 4, God's last covenant word in the Old Testament, one of them, verse 4, is remember the law of My servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. And then if you look at verse 5, he mentions Elijah. Of all the things that God wants to tell you before the 400 years of silence, why this? Well, anytime you see Moses and Elijah mentioned in the Bible, it always means the law and the prophets. It means the whole of the Old Testament. What God is saying to them, what He is encouraging them in, is that they should continue to be faithful. That even in the 400 years, there won't be a single prophet. There won't be another word from God. Until Jesus' birth, God says, be faithful. And in a similar way, we live before the advent of Christ. Not His birth, but His second coming. And God's word for us is be faithful to continue on the analogy of Jesus being the light, boys and girls, you are called to reflect the light of Christ. You know the moon has no light in and of itself, right? But when you see it in the dark sky and it seems to shine, it's actually reflecting the light of Christ. Or excuse me, the light of the sun. 
And so we too are called in this Christmas season to reflect the light of Christ. Called to live for Him. Called to serve Him. Called to be His stewards. But there's one other thing Moses and Elijah always point us to. Remember that the law, the Bible tells us, has no power to save. Did Elijah have any power to save? Did Moses, the 618 or so laws, have the power to save? The answer is no. Try as we might, we always fail. And if we fail in one point of the law, we fail in all points of the law. So that the Apostle Paul says the law was not given to save you, it was given to be a guide, a tutor to Jesus. See, Moses and Elijah always pointed the people to Christ. See, God's last covenant word, bold it, underline it, whatever you've got to do to get it down, is look to Jesus. Look to His advent. Look to the Son of Righteousness. Even in the midst of our many failures, the Scripture tells us, firmly fix your hope in the Son. The Lord Jesus. Not just the baby in a hay trough, but fix your hope on the glorious Savior. Fix your hope in the One not only born, but the One who lived and died and was buried, but also raised and ascended, and who will one day return for us. And as we celebrate the first advent of Jesus, let us remember that we still await His second glorious coming. He has already shown us much compassion. And what a wonder when He comes again in compassion again. He will wipe away every tear from our eye. How in His first coming He dealt with our evil, but in His second He will deal with everything evil and wrong in this world. All things will be undone. And behold, He will make all things new. We will live like joyful calves, the prophet Malachi says, in the fullness and the completeness of this salvation. God's beautiful and gracious last words to His Old Testament church. Simply this. Look to Advent. Look to Jesus. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Amen. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You this Christmas morning that the Son of Righteousness has come. He has brought dawn to the darkness of our night. And Father, we pray that we would join in with the angels this morning in singing the praises of our King, our Lord, and our Savior who came for us. We thank You for this gift.
greatest gift of Christmas. And we pray that you would bless us in the rest of this day, the presents, the activities, the family time together. May it all be to your glory and honor, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.